Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, April the 17th, 2022. It is currently 10.08 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I know it's later in the evening, so there's a high probability a lot of people will not be listening to me live right now, and that's perfectly okay. Whenever you hear this, whenever you listen to this, I hope you do at least understand the context, kind of the timing, the day, and everything is going on. This is a, it's 10, it's a little after 10 p.m. on Easter, right? Easter 2022. This is the conclusion of the Easter holiday weekend, right? And a lot of people obviously went to church today. They heard about the resurrection. Uh, maybe they went to church on Friday or even maybe today while they heard about the resurrection, they also heard about the death of Jesus Christ, him being crucified for our sins. A lot of discussion about that. And sometimes a lot of that may be very, I mean, we know about Jesus dying on the cross. We know the tomb was empty, but sometimes we can still leave it, I hate to say it, almost in a theoretical way, and sometimes it, it, we, 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 we forget the philological implications of Jesus being crucified for us, dying, buried, being buried, and rose the third day to ascend to the right hand of the Father from whence he will come to judge the living of the dead. We may know that theologically or theoretically, but then a lot of times we live out our Christian life almost in a way that that not only ignores those theological realities, almost in a way that is in opposition to them. I know you're going to say, no, I don't do that, but I think there's a way in which we do. And I, and the reason I'm talking about this is because earlier this evening, I don't even know what time it was, maybe just a couple of hours ago, um, I came across a news story. And the news story was originally published at 5, 10 p.m., so earlier this afternoon, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, whoa. First of all, I was just shocked by like, wait, what happened? And then almost as I was trying to get over the shock of what actually transpired and trying to figure out what happened, it's one of those things that it just immediately left the the here and the now and, and the sad reality of the tragedy. And it kind of just leapt off the page and slapped me in the face about a theological truth here, a theological truth that I think maybe sometimes gets forgotten with the Easter holiday weekend, because we know that the, even the church is guilty of this. The Easter holiday weekend turns into family gatherings, new clothes, you know, maybe going to the park, uh, you know, uh, turning on the grill, kids playing. Some will add things like, you know, Easter egg hunts. It's just, it just turns into like a, a holiday weekend. It's a holiday. And, and we, we hear about Jesus dying. We hear about his resurrection, but it just becomes about a, another holiday. And then we mark it off. Maybe, maybe someone got an extra day off from work, whatever. And it's just all said and done. And then tomorrow people will go back to work. And I, I don't know if the reality of that theology really impacts the way we think, because I think people begin the next day, you know, starting on Monday, forgetting all of that. So I just want you to take a few minutes this evening to really, really give me your attention. And I hope that this has a, a pretty important spiritual impact on you to end this 
Easter weekend. Are you ready? Here is the news story. It is tragic. It is sad. It is depressing. The spiritual reality that I started thinking about in relationship to this story is far from depressing, far from discouraging. It it is actually super encouraging. But let's get to the tragedy first. Headline. Seminary student dies in Jesus crucifixion reenactment. A a seminary student has died in basically a reenactment of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They were acting out, they were doing a reenactment of Jesus' crucifixion and a seminary student dies in reenacting it. That's a tragedy. It's horrible. Here's the details. Here's the details. Let's just go with the story first. I, I want to immediately go to the theology that, that's just screaming at me. It's hard for me to even read this because I'm just hearing the theological truth here, but you'll see. I, I think this is, I, th- I think this is powerful. Uh, hopefully you will agree. Here we go. Here's the story first. It, this is powerful in a tragic way. A university, a university student in Nigeria died Friday while participating in a reenactment of Jesus' crucifixion. Sully Ambrose, 25, was a first-year student at the Claritin, uh, uh, Claritin yes, Institute of Philosophy and was taking classes to become a priest when the horrific incident happened, according to the BBC. Ambrose was taking part in a reenactment of Jesus' crucifixion and was given the role of, of Simon, Peter, a disciple of Jesus during the play Passion of Christ. During Ambrose's performance in the play, he collapsed and was taken to a nearby hospital where he was pronounced dead. One person at the university said the people thought Ambrose was joking when he collapsed, thinking it was part of the drama, according to the Vanguard, a Nigerian news outlet. Initially, when it happened, we thought it was a joke and that it was part of the drama. It was when he could not get up, that was when we knew it was a serious matter and he was rushed to the hospital, the person said. Administrators at the university have suspended all Easter activities as a result of the incident, according to the report. The school is located in southeastern Nigeria. Now, it's a tragic story. Here he's some he's in part of a reenactment of the crucifixion of Jesus. They're, 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 they're reenacting it, they're acting it out. And he was given the role of Simon Peter, a disciple of Jesus during the play. All right. Now, it's tragic because someone died. It's horrible. It's tragic. It's hor- horrific. Yes. Now, I want to take this tragic thing and try to use it to get us to a very important spiritual reality. For me, what jumped out at me was the idea of reenacting the crucifixion, reenacting it. And all I could think about when I, when I was reading about them reenacting it was these, these, these words came to my mind. It is finished. It is finished. We don't need to reenact it. It is finished. I don't need to reenact the crucifixion because Jesus was crucified once and for all. It is finished in his death. 
He did what I cannot do. He died for my sins. He paid for my sins. So in a sense, the reenactment made me think of how many times we hear about what Jesus did. We hear about his death. We hear about his burial. We hear about his resurrection. We hear about his ascension. We hear about that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. That we are saved by an imputed righteousness. And then somehow in our theology, we start thinking and acting as if somehow, no, we have to do something. We have to do it. We have to, we have to earn righteousness. We have to earn forgiveness. We, we, we start trying to do what Jesus has already done. In a sense, we try to reenact what Jesus did. We, we, people will say things like, okay, yes, you are saved by grace alone. However, if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, then you probably were never saved, which then roundabout in a roundabout way, what you're saying is, oh, you've got to now earn, you've got to now do righteous deeds in order to ensure that you have received the imputed righteousness, which then really destroys the idea of an imputed righteousness. And now I've got to somehow earn righteousness. It, in other words, we, we start off with the right concept. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. And somehow we end up creating a situation. We end up creating a theology we're in a roundabout way. We're like, okay, Jesus, you did your part, but now I've got to do my part. And in a sense, we try to reenact what Jesus did. We try to reenact. We try to do it for ourselves, which really destroys everything. I, I hope you understand that. I know some is going to push back and say, yo, you're, you're trying to argue for just living any way you want. No, what I'm trying to say is, how am I saved? By the finished work of Jesus Christ. Here's what he he did. He did everything for us. He kept the law, all the law, every righteous demand of the law. Jesus kept it. He obeyed it. He did it for me. The keeping of the law, the obeying of the law, it is finished. He paid the penalty for my sin. It is finished. His sacrifice was accepted by God the Father. It is finished. It's all done. And in many cases, we'll say, it's all done, but then we immediately say, it's all done, but I must do. And then we start saying all the things we must do. And, and usually, we try, to be, we try to be consistent with our theology. Oh, I, yes, I'm saved by grace. And then we'll say, but I'm saved by grace. But, 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 if you don't do this, 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 and this, well, you were never saved. Well, wait a minute. How was I saved? I was saved by an imputed righteousness. So why, how is it that my practical righteousness is somehow going to prove the reception of an imputed righteousness? It is imputed. I, I, it doesn't make me righteous. It declares me to be perfectly righteous because Christ's perfect obedience, his, act, his passive and active obedience has been imputed to my account. I stand before him complete well done, good and faithful servant, because in Christ, I am perfect. I am without sin. It is all finished. It is done. This story about someone dying, in a sense, trying to reenact the crucifixion of Christ just tells me that a lot of Christians live their Christian life trying to reenact everything Jesus did, trying to reenact it trying to, to do what Jesus did, and we can't do it, and we end up being crushed 
by it. We find ourselves being crushed by the law that Jesus has already kept. We are, we, we are crushed by the righteous demands which Jesus, with, which Jesus already accomplished. Here's some scriptures that I want you to think about. All right. The first one that came to my mind, and I just, I just grabbed a couple. John chapter 19. And I think you probably know this one, John chapter 19, because I think it's just so appropriate here. They're trying to reenact it. They're trying to, there's no need to reenact it. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. John chapter 19, verse 30. Oh, I'll go back to verse 28. John chapter 19, verse 28. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. The work of redemption was finished. The work of salvation was finished. I can't add anything to it. It has been accomplished. I don't need to reenact it. Now, we may not reenact it by, okay, I'm going to play the part of Peter. You're going to play the part of this, and, and someone's going to carry a cross. And, and, and in some countries, people will literally have themselves be crucified to, to reenact it. There's no reenacting it. It's all done. It's been finished. I rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I cannot add to it. There's nothing I can do to prove it. How can my righteousness, my practical righteousness, somehow uh, prove that I have an imputed righteousness? If practical righteousness is used to prove the reception of an, of an imputed righteousness, I then turn the imputed righteousness into an infused righteousness, which then literally begins to destroy the entire Protestant understanding of justification. And we end up back going back to Rome where I have to do and do and do, but it's all been done. It is finished. See, Easter, on this Easter evening, you should be able to go to bed. And say, it's done. It's finished. Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again. And in Christ, I've died, I've been buried, and I've been risen again in him. I am complete in him, in Christ, in my position. I'm a new creation. Old is gone. Everything is new. Not in practice. In practice, I still have a sinful nature and I still sin. Not all things are new, but in Christ, it's finished. It's done. It's complete. In Christ, I'm seated in heavenly places with him. In Christ, everything is done. Everything is finished. I can't add to it. I can't even do anything to prove it because it's perfect righteousness that's been imputed to my account. But tomorrow, many Christians will, in a sense, go back almost into a works kind of mentality. They will almost leave the doctrines of grace and operate in a very works-minded way. Oh, you got to do, you don't, if you don't do this, you're not proving that you're saved, not, you're, you're proving you're not saved. You got to do, 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 do. And then no, it's done, done, done. It's finished, 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 finished. Another passage. uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 10. I was almost going to skip this one. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We are sanctified. We are set apart in what Christ did. Verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. There's no need to reenact it. It was finished. It was done. It was complete. It is ended. Now, I'm not here to get into a discussion whether people should put on passion plays or whether they're not. You're missing the point. I'm saying that in my life, it's done. It is finished. So I don't need to try to reenact it and what I'm doing or somehow create a theology that says, yeah, I'm saved by grace and then throw in a but. However, if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, and it's like, do this, do this, do this. Oh, you're not saved. You're not saved. You're probably not saved. You're not saved. Wait a minute. I thought I was saved by an imputed righteousness. Well, you got to prove the imputed righteousness by a practical righteousness. Well, that sounds like I have to prove an infused righteousness because an imputed righteousness just declares me to be righteous even though I am not. And then Christians will say, hey, if you're truly saved, you're a new creature. Old things passed away or all things have become new. Wait a minute. Are you saying that that is true practically? Because if you're saying it's true practically, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not a new creature because practically I still have a sinful nature and I'm still going to sin. But in my position in Christ, I am a new creature. Old things are passed away. In Christ, I am perfect. In Christ, I am righteous. In Christ, I have a perfect, I have a pure heart. In Christ, I com- I do everything the Sermon on the Mount tells me to do. In Christ, I fulfill this all. But it's in Christ. It's not in practice. I fall short and I don't do the things I want to do and I do the things I don't want to do. But it is finished. There's that's why my work, that's why my salvation is secure. It's already complete. It's finished in Christ. The only way to get rid of my salvation is someone has to go to heaven and pull the, the eternal son of God off his throne, has to pull him out of heaven. He is my sacrifice. He is my atonement. He is my mercy seat. He is, he is the, he is my obedience to the law. He is everything. It is finished. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 1. Or we'll go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, writing to people at, at the church at Galatia. He says this, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. We start, we, we, we've been called to a gospel of grace. Grace, we get something we don't deserve. It is finished. It's been done for us. But somehow we, 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 we leave that and we go to another gospel, which is not another, but there'd be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel, though anyone preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. And he, he repeats that. Hey, don't, don't turn from the gospel which we have received, this gospel of grace, to another gospel which is, look, here's the difference. The gospel of grace is it's, it's a finished gospel. The other gospel is, well, 
it's finished, but you need to do this, 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 and this. Or if you don't, you prove you were never saved. So you, so you, what you're telling me is Jesus did his part, but if I don't do my part, then supposedly I never got Jesus' part. Well, that seems to be problematic, and it becomes an apostate gospel. Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you're now perfected by the flesh? See, they were going back to a fleshly mindset. They were going back to a law-based mindset. Look at this, uh, Galatians 3, 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So when they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham, for as many are above the works of the law or under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not and all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God, it is evident that the just shall live by faith. Our justification is not by the law, it's by faith. By faith, we believe in the finished work of Christ. It is done. It is finished. A seminary student dies in a reenactment of that which needs no reenactment. He collapses and cannot get up. And I guarantee you, when you leave the the finished gospel and start thinking that you can do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this to prove that you are saved. And if you don't do this, it proves you were never saved. You're going to live in a never-ending cycle of either pretending that you're more godly than you are, denying your own sin, or fooling yourself, or you're going to come to a point of utter and total despair because you're leaving the finished gospel for a gospel that requires you to do something, and you will find yourself, in a sense, trying to reenact what Jesus has already done, and you will collapse under the weight of it all, and you will, in a sense, perish under that weight because you can't do it. We can't obey it. We can't keep it. We can't earn it. We can't even prove that we got it. The Bible talks about we're going to be judged according to our works, and we will be judged according to our works. Either you're going to be judged according to your works that you do, or you're going to be judged according to your works that you have received by faith. They become your works because they're imputed to you. So when I stand before God, I can be judged according to my works. And those are the works of Christ, his perfect and active obedience that is once and all declared to be mine, imputed to be mine. So when I'm judged, it's going to be good, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because in practice, I'm a good and faithful servant, because Christ was the good and faithful servant and his works have been imputed to me. So when the Bible talks about being judged according to works, yes, either my works my own, or those works that are now mine because of faith, 
that have been imputed to me. And those works are perfect. They are complete because it's finished. It's all done. Jesus is my obedience. Jesus is my sacrifice. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my holiness. Jesus is everything. And it is finished. The resurrection of Christ demonstrates that all of that was accepted by God, proves that Jesus was the eternal son of God. I can go to bed tonight knowing it is done. And I don't have to get up tomorrow trying, in a sense, to reenact and trying to be like Jesus, doing and doing and doing to try to prove something. There's nothing to prove. It's all been done. I think of it this way. Earlier today, I sat right here in this chair this afternoon, and I tried to do a podcast episode. I think I brought up a very important point about hermeneutics, that we have to teach what the Bible doesn't say. I think I worked through the article. I messed up one little, okay, I think I messed up one or two times reading a word or, or I skipped the word or, or maybe I tried to say the word and then decided to just replace the word with a different word. I made some mistakes, yes. When it was all done, it just didn't feel like, mm, you know, it's like that was a good hermeneutical principle, but I don't think I really, I don't think I really did a great job. The day before, I did a podcast episode uh, um, about the pyramid of happiness and the hierarchy of needs. And I'm like, okay, that was an important point, but I don't think I really did a, a good enough job. And so this evening I was sitting downstairs thinking, you know, I need, I need to do something. I gotta, I gotta make up for that. So there was like, I've, I've gotta do, I've gotta do, I've gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta do more. I gotta do more. I gotta do more. I gotta do, I gotta do better. I gotta do more. I gotta do better. I gotta prove it. I gotta, and, and, and then you realize that that's just, just a never ending trap to insanity. You feel you never do enough. You never do more. And sometimes the Christian life just becomes this never ending exercise of performance. You better do. You got to do. You got to do this. If you don't do this, you're probably not safe. You got you to do this. You better, you better not save. You got to do this. You better not save. You, you, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Yeah. Hey, your fruits are going to prove it. You're, well, you guess what? I've got all the perfect fruit. I've got all the perfect work. It's just imputed to me by Jesus Christ. I am not saying that I should just live any way I want. I'm saying that because of God's mercy and because of his imputed righteousness, I live out and strive to live out what is true positionally, practically, but it's never going to be good enough. When people say, well, you better do this to prove that you're saved. How am I ever going to do enough to prove that I'm saved when God demands absolute perfection and absolute holiness? And how can I prove an imputed righteousness? No one ever explains that. I can't prove an imputed righteousness because it's in a righteousness that's imputed to my account. It doesn't make me righteous. It declares me to be perfect. We have a finished gospel. We have a done gospel. We don't have a gospel that says, do this. We don't have a gospel to say it's not finished yet. No, it's all done. It's all finished. And on Easter, we don't celebrate. We don't end. We don't end this, and you know this this evening. You know, thinking about how great the holiday was. 
how wonderful time off was, how wonderful it was spending time with our family. Hopefully you end this thinking how wonderful it is that the work of redemption, the work of salvation is finished. It is complete. Don't be like a seminary student tomorrow trying to reenact it. You're going you're gonna to collapse and you're not going to be able to get up. The weight of the law will crush you. The demands of the law will destroy you. It's been, it's all been kept for you. Jesus became the curse for you. He, he paid for your failure to keep the law and then he kept it on your behalf. So guess what? My failure has been paid for. It is finished. He then, he keeps the law. So his obedience is imputed to my account. It is finished. It's all done. So yes, this student re- is trying to reenact the, the, the crucifixion. Yes, he's playing the part of Simon Peter. To me, it's just the fact that there's a reenactment. I, I, again, it just to me screams at me. Well, how many times do I try to, in a quote unquote, reenact it and try to do what's already been done? Try to finish what's already been completed. I think we we find our ways within Christianity doing that over and over and over and over again, and we turn a gospel of grace into a gospel of of doing. We 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 take a gospel of done and turn it into a gospel of doing. We take a finished gospel and say it, you have to finish it and you have to complete it. And I think we do it inadvertently because we're so worried about people people going to take the gospel of grace and and not care about it. But then we turn it into a gospel of something that's not even the true gospel. You can share your thoughts with me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And I'm just going to look a couple of places this to make sure I'm not missing anything this evening. I don't think I'm missing anything. All right. Um, okay. And uh, I'm going to ch- check a couple other places, make sure I'm not missing any comments or or anybody has anything uh, important to say this late evening. All right. Okay, good. Someone just put, put, it is finished indeed. Yes, it is. You can go to bed tonight. It is finished. Look, there's a lot of things I worry about. All right. A lot of things I have anxiety about, but at least my salvation, it is done. I will never live in a way that proves the imputed righteousness I have received. There's no way. My, my, my living will never, will never suffice, never, never will. But I know that even though I look in the mirror and I see failure and sin, I, what I have to see is beyond that physical reality and see a spiritual reality of Finished, complete, done, and rest in that. That's where we rest, not in us, but in Christ. And this evening, at the end of Easter, it is finished. It is complete. It is done. That should give you peace and security. And hopefully, hopefully, That will be beneficial. All right. 
Thanks for listening. Kind of this impromptu devotional thought, but I thought I would share it because that news article just really hit me hard when I saw that because I'm like, man, I wonder how many people tomorrow are going to, in a sense, try to reenact what Jesus did. I know I've done it way too many times and I always fail. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.